Chime in, anytime. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh. Always remember I am Always remember I am not a Wookiee. Hello there and welcome to episode 53 of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast where we travel through the galaxy watching each episode of every Star Wars TV series in whatever order we please. I'm your host Tommy. And I'm your other host. Looking old. <laughs> also known as Cass. I, I had to hesitate to remember what I was going to say because I knew I had like memorized it and was like <laughs> Oh, I don't need to, to look at this. I know what it says. And I almost literally just said, and I'm your other host, old. No, <laughs> Honestly, maybe that would have been better. I'm Same your other thing. host, it just, old. It just, flo- it just flowed better. But That's obviously a reference to an episode that we're going to talk about in just a few it's a, seconds. It's a reference to a Star Wars episode. It is a reference. Like actually, it or not. Technically, it's a reference to two Star Wars episodes. Woo! And today, we are talking Ahsoka Part 5 and Part 6. Shadow Warrior and Far, Far Away. Mm-hmm. We got one more left, folks. One more after. Well, this. we have two more episodes of Ahsoka, but one more episode of our show. Oh, I thought we covering only had... Ahsoka. No, it goes to eight. Oh, okay. Well, good. I'm glad we have two yeah. left because one feels very short. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say two is manageable. One is not enough. I think. One is a lonely number. Two's company. Three is a crowd. Exactly. Uh, so, so yeah. So we we got a lot to talk about because these two episodes were massive, and um, you know we talked about in our last episode how emotional the ending of that episode oh, was, and of Jesus course, Christ, obviously continuing on like um, it picks right up where it left off. Yeah. So again, a lot to talk about with this episode. So. We might as well just jump right in, because we're going to be talking for a while. It's a lot. So, the first episode, as I said, uh, it's Ahsoka Part 5, Shadow Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was written and directed by Dave Filoni, um, and I think only he could have <laughs> wrote and directed this one, because yeah. it's... Well, I mean, that's not true, but I mean, I think it really has his his uh, stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the official description is, Ahsoka confronts her past while Hera and her allies undertake a rescue mission yep sure mm-hmm. <laughs> jumping into the cast there's a number of new faces i'm only going to highlight the new folks because i think just we know we've gone over I don't like the, listen to us talk about cast mary elizabeth again and, and we love them rosario That's dawson yeah, yeah, yeah talk yeah. forever but we want to talk about the deets so the first new cast member is ariana greenblatt she <laughs> say grande <laughs> oh no no, Ariana Greenblatt uh, as young Ahsoka Tano. Yes. So she has played young Gamora. Well, she has played. She played young Gamora in Avengers Infinity War. I love that. Young Velba. Velba. Jeez, I can't speak right Velma? now. Velma? Velma, yes. In the uh, animated movie Scoob! Exclamation Dude, she's point. she's all the cool 
chicks. I know. Uh, she was Sasha in Barbie. Yeah. I haven't um, seen that yet. But... She will be. Oh, Sasha is Barbie's sister. Little sister. Mm. I've never even seen that movie, but I actually know because I had Barbies. You had Barbies? And I remember Oh, Sasha. that's cool. Um, she will be. Tiny Tina in the upcoming <gasps> Borderlands movie. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Uh, she's also appeared as Tabitha Templeton in both Boss Baby Family Reunion, <laughs> or Family Business, and Boss Baby Back in the Crib. She was real for that. She was real Boss for that. Baby Boss Baby was, was real, real for, for that. that. And yeah, she was, she, we'll talk about her a lot, but she fucking crushes it. Um, we also have Tamora Morrison appearing. Oh, my daddy. As uh, Captain slash Clone Commander. Rex in this episode. Uh, of course, we know Tamora Morrison as uh, the the man, the myth, the legend who has played both Jango Fett and was Boba Fett in still, Book of Boba Fett. I'm still hoping for a D. Brad- Bradley Baker you know, voice cameo. I was listening back, and it's I don't I didn't see anything credited, but part of me wonders if they didn't have his voice just as like a background. Yeah. Um, I don't know that for certain, but I swear I saw, it, there was someone that sounded a little bit like him. Well, I mean, there's like tons of clones in this episode, so yeah, <laughs> it's very so likely. Be possible. We have Isa Davis as Captain Gerard. Um, she played Denise and Kindred, Gail Graham, and Mayor of East Town. Mm. Joyce Miller in Succession, Addie Pinkett in uh, sorry, Addie Pickett in The Heart of Dixie, and portrayed Condoleezza Rice in The Looming Tower. Cool. Yeah. Um, we also have Gina Vittori as Lieutenant Jensu and a weapons officer. She's appeared in an episode of Nine One One and Magnum P.I., as well as a number of uh, TV movies. Then we have Brendan Wayne as Lieutenant Lander. So <laughs> Brendan Wayne is actually the body double for the Mandalorian in season one of cool. Mando. Which is really cool. Had a lot of body doubles recently we, mm-hmm. for these episodes. Which yeah. Is pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. He also played Rennie in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I think, I don't know anything about Never it. Never seen it. Um, and was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Apparently, he's also John Wayne's grandson. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Whatever. John, John <laughs> I don't have Wayne. nothing to say. I don't know much about John Wayne. He kind of sucks. Yeah. He doesn't just kind of suck. He just really fucking sucks. I had a feeling, you know, you want to like a cowboy, but like most of them, real ones probably You came here for Star Wars, listen to a slam John Wayne. (laughs) That's what you get. Didn't expect that, huh? But you didn't expect that. Oh, bitch. Fuck John Wayne. (laughs) Uh, No, but seriously, fuck John Wayne. Yeah. Um, Anthony... Sorry. No, it's good. Uh, we also have Anthony Nataril as comms officer. Um, they, uh, he appeared as in a number of shorts uh, and also appeared in Law and Order Organized Crime and All American Homecoming. I didn't know there was a Law and Order Organized Crime either. There, there is seems like so there much a... Law and Order that it is it is an, it is a mangled web. They should have of a law... lies and <laughs> they should do like a Law and Order like Law and Order. Uh, TV lore. crimes or I'm something. I'm pretty sure they have a whole wiki comprised. Oh, I, oh, I know I mean, for, yeah. for sure. It's that's how big it is. Is when you get a wiki, you know that you've reached the crazy web of madness of lore for sure. Um, we also have Ryan Ryusaki. Um, I have him noted as, and I'm hoping this is a mistake, but as uh, Captain slash Commander Rex performance artist. I'm pretty mm. sure he was just like the one of the. Essentially, I don't think it was Tamora Morrison in the Rex armor. I believe it was him in the mm. Rex armor. Um, he's a performance and stunt artist on Mandalorian, Don't Worry Darling, NCIS, Hawaii, and Yellowstone, and a bunch of other credits. Mm-hmm. 
Then we have Tom O'Connell as Darth Vader performance artist. We've talked about Tom O'Connell before because in the Obi-Wan show, Tom O'Connell was the body double yes. uh, as, of Darth Vader, the cool. performance artist Good. rather for Darth Vader there. Um, and that's it for the new cast and crew. Mm -hmm. So let's just jump right on in to the episode. Your legacy, like your masters, is one of death and destruction. You and I share a common goal to make this journey. You to be reunited with your long-lost friend, and I to serve a greater good. Come with me, willingly. Do it for Ezra. No one will be following us. What can you tell me? The enemy has built a massive hyperspace ring. Do not let it escape. Engage the hyperdrive. That's a tremendous surge of power. They're gonna jump. Mom, I've got a bad feeling. Didn't expect to see you so soon. Anakin. I didn't go as like in our outline. This is behind the scenes. I didn't go as point by point on like everything that happens, but there I do want to just like dissect the opening of this episode a little bit there's so um, fucking much because so first of all this episode has kind of this split framing and it jumps between i said what is presumably the world between worlds i think it's i think we can just say it's the world between worlds yeah um it jumps between the world jumps between the world between worlds and then the folks back on Cetos, yeah. right? Um, so on Cetos, we have Hera, Captain Teva, Jason, Huyang, and uh, Hera's small squad that are out searching for Ahsoka. And excuse me, Chopper. And Chopper. Sorry, sorry. I thought I had Oh my God, I, I can't I believe you almost fucking missed him. Uh, you piece of shit. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> um, the best part of waking up. It's Chopper. The best part of waking up is ship. Chopper in your cup. But but again, I really just wanted to pause on like the opening of this because the opening of this episode is like it's equal parts uh, just beautiful and affecting. Mm -hmm. And it's very short. Uh, so it's cold open, um, which I think all of them so far have been a cold open, right? Um, it's kind of open and then led to the title sequence. Um, this one picks up... A, I, probably a couple minutes to a couple hours after the last episode. Um, we have this sprawling shot of the planet and the camera kind of pans across the dusk red trees uh, and through the foggy forest. It rises up over the cliffs of Cetos where the reflex point sit. That's where reflex points sit. The reflex sit. point. <laughs> That's where uh, the map was kind of laid into the, the hinge uh, sort of area. That's what mm -hmm. the, the reflex point is. And it, there's just it's like basically this. Basically like a ritual circle yeah. in some ways. 
because obviously there this is also a um Dathomiri planet to some extent or yes. at least a place where the night sisters inhabited they have had like their have touched. Had a settlement yep um and there's just like overall in this opening there's just this sort of emptiness um and it, the camera kind of like rolls in really heavy and it sh- it kind of pans and we see the the star map uh that was like cut in half um this gets broken apart x wings fly overhead uh and then we see the uh ghost and hera exits the ghost very like cautiously jason and chop eventually leave too they eventually come out of the ghost once Hera's kind of like seen that it's safe and they come across Hu Yang, who is sitting like he's kind of standing on the edge of the cliff, leaning up against one of the hinges mm-hmm. um, and is very like downtrodden. just say I, I i put this on our stories a few days ago and i'm sorry i can't think of off the top of my head who to credit for this but there's a lego account that i follow of like lego star wars scenes and there's one of this exact moment and it's mm. really cute but also really sad yeah outside of that we get the score building to this small crescendo right it like kind of cuts right after he says that it cuts to um cuts to black and there's like this like moment where like the music kind of builds a little bit and you think it's like it's like almost like a false crescendo because mm-hmm. it like stops and then you hear this like ding and then we get this big bombastic music drop that brings in the episode title which is Shadow Warrior mm-hmm. and that transitions us to the vast emptiness of the world between worlds and we see Ahsoka and Anakin standing facing each other yeah. um and then just kind of like sticking on the sound, because that was something that really stuck out to me. We're greeted by a different type of silence in this transition, a muted kind of low bass, echoey, like, I don't know if it's technically a white noise or a brown noise, but it's kind of like that ambient sound, that low hum ambient noise that just echoes throughout mm-hmm. in this like vast empty plane that they're at. And mm-hmm. again, I, I I know that I just like described a scene, but like, I really wanted to do that because... This is just, like, the opening for this episode is just so fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that, like, there's a lot of talk about a lot of the other elements that happen throughout this episode because there's a lot of good stuff that happens mm-hmm. here. But I think one of the things that is really 
one of the reasons why this show is working so well is that there is gorgeous cinematography. The music is like fucking killer. Yeah. Um, Kevin Kiner, who has done music on, and we haven't talked a lot about the music in this episode. Well, we or talked in these, about this him show. a lot during the Bad Batch. Bad Batch. How much the music like and just made the emotional velocity of that show so much bigger, and that's exactly oh, yeah. what he's doing here. And it's and it's in such a way that like again we haven't talked about it in in this. Well, actually, I take that back. We have talked about it a little bit. We haven't talked about it much, but mm-hmm. it's in such a way that it just works so. And this is what we talked about when we talked about Bad Batch. It like works so fluidly mm-hmm. with what's happening on screen. Yeah, that it just like it's it's so good. And like mm-hmm. I hope that Kevin Kiner is able to score every Star Wars thing moving forward yep. after John Williams retires. Because I'm sure like John Williams will come back for a movie. Sure, but like. I, yeah, I mean, just absolutely killer. The sound design all around, shout out here. And also just like this, the cinematography, because, you know, it, it's, it's just, this whole sequence is just dripping with emotion and to like what we were talking about a few minutes ago to carry through from the last episode where presumably Ahsoka is like between death, you know, dying and mm-hmm. being alive and Anakin finding, finally meeting with Ahsoka and us wondering like is she gonna survive has she survived is this just like her passing like into the next plane of existence it's equal parts mysterious lonely serene and just haunting so um anyway i just wanted to like shout all that out because like as i was like re-watching this episode i was like god damn they're like good they really fucking killed it Mm -hmm. with like the opening of this episode it's absolutely beautiful moving from there so like i said the episode from here kind of it jumps back and forth, right? Yes. Between World Between Worlds and Cetos. Um And then a ton of past... Past stuff, yeah. And that's what we're probably going to spend most of our time kind of dissecting and, and talking about because that's where I think the meat of this episode really is. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway... It's this- almost like falling through mm-hmm. different eras of time yeah it's it's wild Mm -hmm. anyway so the episode proceeds from here and we have the ahsoka anakin moment where uh ahsoka says anakin you look the same you look old (laughs) which so good was really funny and i think it really brings you into like what we're gonna come to like expect from like this flavor in this version of Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just so happy to see more Clone Wars-esque Anakin yeah. combined with Hayden Christensen to, to redeem him and show that, like, if he has a good director, he can do anything. Like, yeah. he's amazing. He's, a, is, he's again, a great actor. He's a great actor. He was just force-fed a way to be as Anakin originally. Yeah, And I, f- I think it's obvious that he is... He is this character. He can embody this character perfectly without really trying. I also think that there's a lot to be said, and and people have kind of talked about this a lot. And of course, I think a lot of credit goes probably to Dave Filoni for this, but a lot of his mannerisms really match that of the the Anakin in yeah, animation. Absolutely. Um, and so I do think, like again, a lot of credit goes to Dave, but I think obviously, like what you had said, I think. Hayden Christensen is a good actor. Like, mm-hmm. we've seen him act in other stuff before and be absolutely, like, good. And I don't think he's bad in, like, the Star Wars movies necessarily. No. I think in um, Revenge of the Sith, he's a lot better than Anakin in Attack of the Clones. Sure. You know, I think mm-hmm. I think he grows into that role a little bit. I think in Attack of the Clones, he feels a lot more stilted and, like, mm-hmm. his motivations don't feel as... 
I just like I just like old Anakin in terms of his timeline too. He's yeah. just such a more personable and charismatic person. Yeah, you, I, you would never say you would never characterize Darth Vader or as Anakin tra- when he is fully transitioning to Darth Vader as charismatic. Right. That is not and we the see word that, that, I mean, he's just powerful. It's like the opposite. It's like the complete opposite. It is Darth Vader is all power, all control. He is completely, you know, self-sufficient. Anakin is self-sufficient, but in a very charismatic and, and passionate way. That's yeah. very different. Totally, totally so. agree. So from here we get kind of the moments of Anakin is like... His purpose seems to be that he is training or testing Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Um, He kind of like tests her a little bit to start about what she remembers. Um, You know, he says like, do you like what, like she says like what happened or whatever or something like that. He tells her that she lost a fight. um, And then she remembers Balin. He says, um, you know, that's good that you remember. That means you have a chance. Um, and then he starts talking about finishing her training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where we get kind of the opening to their, their moments, yeah. right? Where, so we have this really cool lightsaber fight between the two of them, which mm-hmm. is dope. Actually, to start, Ahsoka says, I won't fight you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anakin says, I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yep. That's a callback to, uh, when Luke says that, um, to his, the same person, his daddy. Well, not really the same person. But he says it to his daddy. Yeah, um, his daddy. His daddy. Uh, but so yeah, daddy. So, so it is kind of interesting. Um, I do think that's it's fun because like I think we tend to think of especially with the characters of Ahsoka and Anakin in this era quote we're not this era but like in Clone Wars era they're before mm-hmm. Luke and this is after. So it is that kind mm-hmm. of interesting uh, juxtaposition there. The first initial encounter between them, I think I we talked about this before, where I really felt like Vader's movements, well, actually more Balin Skull's movements in fighting reminded me a lot of Vader. Mm-hmm. And I think we get a lot of that here. We have the very like powerful like lightsaber strikes mm-hmm. from, from Anakin. It's when all he starts- about strength. He's very slow. He's not as fast and quick as as Ahsoka is, but he just doesn't have to be. He just strides mm-hmm. forward and just like blocks and and like stabs and like it's badass. It's yeah. Really, really scary. Um, we jump back to Sito's and we get our, our first kind of glimpse of Jason showing his connections to the Force here. Mom, listen. I am. No, listen to the waves. General? Okay. What are we listening for? Don't you hear it? waves crashing no the lightsabers Um, he tells his mom that he hears something out in the water as she and Carson Tava talk about what the, uh, about like checking back in with HQ. That subplot it was just kind of like 
whatever to me. It was kind of long. Like, it took a long time. Yeah, it it really... And then Hera was like, like, Jason, I'm in the middle of something. Like, she had to keep telling him to stop. And then she's like, like, oh, wait, no, now we have to listen to him. Like, it was just, it was silly. And and I do think that moment moment was really cool. I think more this whole, like thing of them finding them i think they, they could have care they could have cut out a few of these moments and just like stuck with let the, them come what are they gonna do yeah um but anyway so we do get kind of that his proclivity towards the force a little bit mm-hmm. um yeah back in the world between worlds that's basically it they just mm-hmm. kind of like oh yeah sorry they they so Jason says, like, Mom, listen, I hear, you know, this noise. They listen out to the ocean. And then they both are able to kind of hear these lightsaber sounds, which is kind of interesting because. Well, we don't actually know if Harry hears them. She, maybe that's true. she does, but she could just be like, I believe him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, but everyone has the force. And that's part of this whole, the whole consensus of this show is that's that true. if you actually focus on things, you can attune yourself to the force. So that is very true. And I do think I. I think it is interesting that even even if she does like give herself like to like saying I'm just gonna trust him on this, mm-hmm. I think in a way that is kind of like yeah using the force as well like you're using your intuition to trust your son who yeah. you already think is like more attuned with the force you know exactly so I think that's an interesting kind of take on that too. Mm-hmm. Back in the world between worlds, Anakin backs Ahsoka into a corner, and then there's a moment where it looks like Ahsoka's going to get the upper hand, um, and she actually, like, kicks him in the face. It's really fucking cool. And uh, he that's when he, the moment you were talking about where she plunges, right? Mm-hmm. He cuts, like, this, like, path, yeah. and she plunges down into Rainbow the Rainbow Road. And this is where we start diving into the memories. Um, Ahsoka's lessons here are just kind of, like... They seem to be just her reliving moments that have already happened, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the world between worlds, we've talked about it on the pod before. It's, like, connecting time, space, the force, everything. Mm -hmm. So, whether or not this is her kind of actually being there, very same thing of, like, does Hera actually hear the lightsaber sounds? Mm -hmm. Or this is just kind of all happening in her mind. doesn't really matter. No. But that's what the world between worlds kind of represents is that kind of nexus point of those things. And it seems like she's having the opportunity to kind of like Ezra did in the episode of rebels view kind of some of the things that were happening. And and this is a trope, right? In, in TV shows where they relive moments, but Mm -hmm. they have their like present day memories. I, I was trying to think of some examples before we started recording, but I'm like stuck on some. Well, her, it's also, this isn't an answer to that, but it's like, she's been so, disconnected from her past um we haven't heard her talk about it at all the only thing she's ever brought up is her master and that's the only thing every everything that's the only thing that other people bring up mm-hmm. and i'm sure she's never really confronted the fact that she's lost hundreds of friends in a yeah. war and she oh, was I, a I, child I, soldier and like this is i think it's not just her reconnecting with her past but and I'll note this on a completely different thing, but it just makes me think of it. I kept telling you, like, how jarring it was to see this actual kid mm-hmm. play Ahsoka. It made me think so differently about the entire animated series because it's hard. It's easy to justify sh- seeing a child in a war when it's all fake, right? right. Yeah. But when there's an actual kid, like, literally, sh- like, sh- slicing down enemies and fighting against grown adults who are shooting at her and trying to like kill her mm-hmm. is just wild. Yeah. It is 
I don't know. It just puts a whole different lens on the whole thing. It does. When you're seeing it animated, like it's hard. And especially when it's a, 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 an alien, right? Like Ahsoka's an alien mm-hmm. to us. It's hard to really like grapple with the fact that like she is just a child but mm-hmm. seeing like an actual like human child like going through these moments it is like unsettling yeah. um and so again she kind of like falls down right and uh, as we talk mm-hmm. about a lot the hero's journey like this is her death this is her like yeah rebirth moment like this is her fault fa- like her bottom the bottom point right mm-hmm. of like the hero's journey circle right mm-hmm. um and she literally is falling and she falls and as the dust settles that's where we see um ariana greenblatt's ahsoka right yeah. so this is where we get child ahsoka cutting in um and i'll just say she fucking killed it i thought oh, she did a great job yeah so good the other thing i just want to talk about Cass, you mentioned this when we were watching it that the way this is set up so there's a lot of fog a lot of dust it's it's kind of shot in such a way like it reminded me a little bit of like um like war movies right like yeah. of, like there's a lot of explosions and stuff happening but it, like everything's kind of foggy and unclear um you mentioned that it felt there were some moments where you're like, this kind of just looks like Clone Wars, like the animated. The very first silhouette was so foggy and shrouded that it looked like we had just literally jumped into a Clone Wars episode. Her silhouette was perfect. The way mm-hmm. that her like headtails looked, the way that her costume looked, the way that we just see all the clones like mm-hmm. just running. It you couldn't tell that it wasn't just like a silhouette yeah. from the show. Obviously, the realism comes in as you get closer to them, but that was just so cool. I, and so I'm glad you said that because, like, yeah, so much of this stuff is like just drawn straight from yeah, like animation. her her outfit changes as she gets older, and it, it she has the same exact yeah. costume as she wore in you know as she grew up in the show, and it's it's minor stuff, but like and the, Anakin too, which was really cool. I love that uh, Hayden Christensen's hair was like different. Oh yeah, it was cut short. He was wearing his like armor. That's. So this is a minor, it's like a lot of minor details and it seems really easy to get this stuff right. But this is one of the reasons why I said like, it looked great. Dave Filoni was like the perfect one to direct this yeah. because he's so he knows. familiar with the Clone Wars TV show, mm-hmm. with those looks, with those characters, with their personalities that like, so we get, we get clones in their phase one armor, yep. which is fucking dope. Mm-hmm. We get Anakin in the armor, like you said, that he wore when he first met Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. We get Ahsoka with her green lightsabers. Like, mm-hmm. these are all, like, tiny details that I could see another person kind of stepping in who doesn't have that familiarity. Or just like, oh, she's just a kid. And just being like, oh, well, her, you know, she's a, she's a Jedi. Give her her blue lightsabers or whatever at this point. And it's like, no, like, she had green lightsabers, mm-hmm. like, to start off. Like, mm-hmm. I know that's silly, and it's such a really silly thing to say, but, like, this, the level of details, I think is really important to like yeah. when you're reliving moments that were originally animated it's so good you know and you're bringing them to live action but it was her life it's her history yeah it just goes to show that they have not um 
deviated from the fact that this is her lore. Yeah. Like there, there is no difference. This is the exact trans, you know, like transcendence of her as a character, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And speaking of lore, some lore. Um, so as for the exact location of this particular flashback, it's never explicitly said, but there's a ton of evidence that this is like the Battle of Ryloth, mm-hmm. which actually um, there's a number of episodes in the Clone Wars season one, which yes. actually follow this. So mm-hmm. one of the references is that uh, Ahsoka talks about um, making mistakes and clone troopers dying. I'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Twi'lek that are visible mm-hmm. um, at various different points, kind of when they're Talking looking to over. The clones mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the other reason that I think that this is uh, that is Ryloth, um, and I saw some other people saying like maybe it's this other place from like the mo- the Clone Wars animated movie. The reason I particularly think it's Ryloth um, is. So the episode arc in Clone Wars includes the, the episode Storms Over Ryloth, Innocence of Ryloth, and Liberty of Ryloth. And I won't go into too much of detail about all of them, but in Storms, Ahsoka disobeys an order from Anakin. Um, and he she gives him the old, like, I learned it from you, Dad. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, she disobeyed an order and she's like, but I, you're always doing this too. Yep. Um, but her disobeying an order leads to a bunch of clones under her control dying. Um, and then they have to make a retreat without actually actually making any headway. Um, she kind of loses her confidence in that moment and takes a huge hit, but she regains her strength after Anakin gives her like trust back mm-hmm. um, and like puts her in, in control of a specific uh, situation later on in the episode. And that kind of helps her bounce back, right? She has to bounce back from a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important as we're looking at like her life and what she's going to be taking from some of these moments. Right. Yeah. Um, I also just thought it would be interesting to talk about some of the morals from those episodes. So the three morals from those three are, it is a rough road that leads to the heights of greatness. So that's uh, from Storms over Ryloth. In Innocence of Ryloth, it's the costs of war can never truly be accounted for. Um, And then finally, compromise is a virtue that can be cultivated, not a weakness to be despised. Um, One of the other interesting nuggets is that in the third episode of that arc, Innocence of Ry- or sorry, Liberty of Ryloth, Cham Syndulla. That's his first appearance. Cham mm. Syndulla, Harris Syndulla's dad. So yep. there's some interesting connections there. Um, none of that's really that important, but I just wanted to call attention to that because I think it's fun stuff. Well, I'm glad you brought up the moral because we have to remember that this is not Ahsoka living this for the first time. Mm-hmm. She's reflecting on the fact that. Like, she didn't say these, like, deep-ass fucking things when she was in the moment when that was happening. This is her saying it now, realizing how much death has been caused by the war and what she wasn't able to remedy and trying to survive it again and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what Anakin's trying to show her through through that. Yeah, and so here's what I wanted to talk about earlier when I was going down the, the, the rabbit hole of, like, other episodes of TV shows where someone's like reliving a moment, but they have Mm -hmm, their full memories. mm -hmm. So what's really interesting here is it's not exactly clear how much she's like in her present day kind of like mindset versus how much she's still kind of having the past Mm -hmm. kind of affect her, which I think is a really interesting tactic that they use here because I think that that kind of like shows, and I think it's more clear when we get into the second Uh, Mm -hmm. memory we'll call it that she is more kind of remembering things Mm -hmm. but in in these moments in this particular memory it very much feels like there's this blurred line between ahsoka as a child and ahsoka 
who is an adult now reflecting yeah. on these moments. So mm-hmm. and I think that's important because she does need to learn something from the past mm-hmm. at this point in time. Well, Anakin's also probably showing her the fact that he is aware of what is to come. Yeah. And that an army is on its way. Mm-hmm. And so she has to... She's she's not been running from war at this point, but she's definitely stepped away from it. But there, so there's this this very interesting through line throughout this episode where Ahsoka talks a lot about like not wanting to fight and not mm-hmm. wanting the violence to continue. So mm-hmm. continuing on, Ahsoka weeps over a hurt a hurt a hurt a, <laughs> a hurt stormtrooper, uh, and she and Anakin talk. He tells her there's always a price to pay in war, remembering that. That mm-hmm. one moral um, from one of the last episodes. And once again, we have this questioning of what the Jedi are becoming in this moment. Is there a problem? We lost so many. There's always a price to be paid. It was my fault. They were following my orders. I got them killed. Come here. This is war, Ahsoka. As Jedi, it's our job to lead. That doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. But our mistakes cost lives. That doesn't bother you? Of course it does. This, this isn't what I trained for. You must adjust to the times. Look, when Obi-Wan taught me, we were keepers of the peace. But now, to win this war, I have to teach you to be a soldier. Is that all I'll have to teach my own Padawan one day? How to fight? Do you even want a Padawan? Hmm? You know, teaching's not all it's cracked up to be. Really? What makes you say that? I'm joking. You're joking? Yeah, I'm joking. How can you joke at a time like this? What would you prefer? I don't know. Tell me, what do you want? You want me to be more serious? I'd prefer it. Listen, I'm teaching you how to lead. How to survive. And to do that, you're going to have to fight. What if I want to stop fighting? Then you'll die. Let's go. Anakin tells her that they have to adapt to the times and he needs to train her to be a soldier. Um, And again, we've talked about this a lot of like the Jedi are supposed to be peacekeepers and like even the Jedi talk a lot about Mm -hmm. that, but they're thrust into this conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, When she says, what if I want to stop fighting? He says, then you'll die, which I think is really interesting Mm -hmm. because there's. I don't think he just means physical fighting. I think he means like. Standing up for a cause. Which That's is something exactly... that she hasn't done. She hasn't done in a little while, but now she's reconnecting with the Republic and realizing that 
yeah, the Empire's gone, but it's not over yet. That's exactly it. And I was like, when I was rewatching this, uh, I was like, there was something that like really resonated with me because so after Anakin says, um, then you'll die, he turns away from her and he marches out towards uh, the battlefield Mm -hmm. with the the troopers in tow. And this is where we get our first kind of flash sequence of Darth Vader, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think what he's saying is like, because Anakin stopped fighting against the dark side and Anakin died. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what he's saying is like, if you stop fighting for your convictions, Mm -hmm. if you stop fighting for the Jedi ordeals or whatever it is that you're fighting for. Not that not he's not that he's saying it's a literal like conversion of if you stop, you're going to die. Or if you stop, you're going to become a Sith. That's not like it's Mm -mm. not the it's not the not the specific thing. However, we do see here because there's a moment where, again, she's fighting with him. We see that flash in her eyes. Yep. Um, Ahsoka has had her dabblings with the dark side as well. Oh yeah, well. we'll talk about that so. moment. Um, but yeah, I just like, that kind of just, I know it's kind of a silly thing, but that kind of clicked for me where I was like, I think Anakin's talking about like, if you stop fighting for like good or stop fighting for like, mm-hmm. you know, what it is that matters. Cause also and too, I think. You don't care. It's about like caring about something. Mm-hmm. Like if you stop caring, then. What's the point? I think the other thing that's really important, and I was going to talk about this a little bit later on, but I can just mention it now, is that it's really interesting the bookends that we get in their memories, right? So Ryloth, the whole impetus for them having the Battle of Ryloth is that the Separatists invade Ryloth, right? Mm -hmm. So Separatists invade Ryloth. They cut off supply lines. People are starving. Like the... the, Twi'lek people are like dying, like they Mm -hmm. don't have food, they don't have resources. So that's one of the reasons why they have to step in. So there is this interesting kind of other notion of like fighting, fighting for good and fighting for people. You know, you, that's what they're doing in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just like fighting to become stronger or fighting to to become more powerful. It's fighting for something that matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's the other thing that, she needs to remember, which is yep. why this moment in particular is the one that she falls into first. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I wanted to note, this is the first live action Rex that we get. Oh, so good. So good. Um, he's just kind of standing there. We don't actually hear him speak. Oh. Um, back on Cito's, we do cut back to Cito's really quickly. I'm going to skip most of that because I think it's, again, it kind of detracts from the core of the episode. But um, basically, they trust Jason. They decide to go searching in the water. For they're searching her. in the water. Jason is like, you got to get closer to the water. Mm-hmm. So they do that. Um, and Teva's really worried about getting fired. Yeah. <laughs> That's That's all he's cared it. about right now. But honestly, he still sticks with her. Oh, yeah, he does. He's, he's great. It's actually a really great little moment where he's like really stringing it out like that one officer. Yeah, later like, on hey, in the episode. what's going on? And he's like, you know, we're just, you just got to stay out of it, okay? You just got to stay all, out of it. It's all good. Just to, it's, it's really cute. But. Um, but we cut back again mm-hmm. in the next memory. Oh, baby. Mm-hmm. It's the Siege of Mandalore. Come on, let's go! 
know this battle. This was the siege of Mandalore. We had parted ways by now. Looks intense. It was. Um, we get Ahsoka with the blue lightsabers. Mm -hmm. We get her Siege of Mandalore outfit, which fucking rules, which you talked about earlier. We get the goddamn Mandalorian super commandos in live action and their full fucking... It's not really their full glory, because we only see them for a couple moments, but, like, it's so fucking cool. Mm -hmm. We get the Mandalorian super commandos, which are the... Uh, for anyone who hasn't watched Clone Wars, you'll see these, uh, these commandos, right? These um, Mandalorians, and they have what looks like Darth Maul's horns kind of poking out of their heads. Mm -hmm. These are members of Darth Maul's... Which is funny because that's the same episode that Ahsoka gets her commandos that have a similar... And we see them too. ...print on their armor. We see them too. Which again, um, is a little weird, but... It's a little weird. I digress. Yeah. I did it's still really badass. We also... This is where we get... Um, yeah, I was going to say, we get the 501st wearing the Ahsoka makeup helmet. Yeah. Uh, and then we get Tem as Rex, baby. We get Tem's first line as Rex, which is, he literally just says, like, we'll secure the perimeter, perimeter <sighs> but, like, don't care. It's so cool. It's fucking so cool. So good. Secure that perimeter, bitch. Um, and his armor looks impeccable, flawless. It is perfect. It is exactly the way it should be. Oh, it's so good. So exciting. I, I, can't, yeah. I can't express how I almost fucking... shit my pants because I was waiting for a Darth Maul cameo, but it didn't happen. But I was, so, oh, I was so ready for yeah. it. I wanted like the last piece just to be like her running towards Darth Maul or something, or like he's sitting all bisexual in the throne room. Like <laughs> that would have been really cool. But so Anakin shows up in this moment. Ahsoka's kind of like standing in her, her, uh, her normal stance of her arms folded, kind of mm -hmm. watching things unfold. Anakin shows up and he's he's like, I don't remember this. And that's because she's like, that's because you're becoming Darth fucking Vader at this point. Um, and they have, they have this conversation, right? Ahsoka, within you will be everything I am. All the knowledge I possess. Just as I inherited knowledge from my master and he from his. You are part of a legacy. But my part of that legacy is one of death and war. But you're more than that. Because I'm more than that. You are more, Anakin. But more powerful and dangerous than anyone realized. Is that what this is about? If I am everything you are... You've learned nothing. Don't say that! Back to the beginning. I gave you a choice. Live. Or die. <gasps> Incorrect. And one thing I noticed when I was rewatching this, I didn't notice it the first time, so I'm glad that I did rewatch it. Which master is he talking about? Well, right, he had two masters. So that's something that's interesting. Mm. Um, well, technically, he says he doesn't remember being Darth Vader, but who knows? So, what I think is really interesting about this is as he's talking, I'll have to show you the clip. Yeah. Uh, but as he's talking, a bomb like drops, and you, you're it's the camera's facing From their backs. From Mandalore? 
Yeah, Bomb drops in Mandalore, and it f- lands basically right in front of Anakin. And as he's saying these lines, that within you is everything I will be, all the knowledge I have, blah, 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 there's this cloud of smoke that rises. And it, like, only silhouettes him. It's really, really fucking cool and really mm. subtle. Um, it's much more subtle than the transitions between Darth Vader and uh, Anakin, mm-hmm. um, which everybody was, like, shitting their pants about. Um, and... I don't want to go too far down into this, but like, I think, I think people, um, there were people who were like shitting on people who were really hype about those moments, which is like, why? But that's what they did through the entire Clone Wars series. We talked about how like, there there's like every other episode, there's a moment where we hear the Darth Vader, like we hear the Imperial March or we see a silhouette. I do think like, this is art. This is what people do with artistic things. Yeah, I I will say it's not like a very deep metaphor. It's very obvious, but like that's okay sometimes. It's fine. Um, but like the people who are shitting on people who are like really hype about it, I'm like, just chill out. Just let people let have them fun. like stuff. Yeah, like who cares? Well, how, what does it hurt you if like a Star Wars nerd is excited because they do like a flash to Darth Vader? Like, yeah, whatever. Um, dummies. Also, sorry, last tangent. I did see a Twitter thread. I don't remember who said it, but someone was like, people act like Anakin's like the main character in Star Wars, and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, because he is. Who, like, who else? <laughs> like, what are you talking... Anakin or Darth Vader has appeared in, like, most... Only, like, probably more than anyone else. The I would argue is another main character would be Luke. Well, Luke, yeah, obviously. But, like, but, like Luke is really only in... I mean, he's in the comics, of course, and he's in the, the first three movies, but, like... I don't know. Like, there are like prequel. Like, people think I mean, that like the Anakin's the prequels are about his fall to, from like. People just the, need to chill out. Like, it's just like it's guys, not that important. Guys, there's a main character in stories. That's Why do you kind care? Of, like, that's just what happens. Anyway, shitting on whoever that person was, and yeah, also shitting just... on John Wayne, because again, once again, fuck John fuck Wayne. Fuck John Wayne. Fuck people who hate Anakin as the protagonist. Fuck y'all. Yeah, exactly. Um, we will never not say fuck John Wayne. <laughs> Um, I totally lost my place. <laughs> um, they continue their conversation. They're talking about legacy. And Ahsoka confronts him. She says, if I'm everything that you are, and he cuts her off. And he's like, is that what this is about? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, no shit. You're fucking like. Well, they've always <sighs> argued about that, right? There's always this content. Because they're both like Aries types. Like, they're both like headbutting each other. Mm-hmm. Like, constantly. That is what always they're. That's the confrontation that she and Sabine have. Right. It's like Sabine is trying to constantly like be what she is. And yeah. so I think part of this is not just like completing Ahsoka's training, but like conditioning her to become a master as well. I'm so glad you said that because I think the thing that connects Ahsoka with Anakin and Anakin with Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan with uh, Qui-Gon mm-hmm. is that that whole fucking lineage, people call it the uh, disaster lineage, which I think is fucking great. <laughs> but like the whole thing that connects them is they all are the most, like to me, they have like the most human They're characteristics so yeah. of like being like ones to just be like, well, we'll just kind of like, we'll just wing it. We'll just wing it. Mm-hmm. But like the the master is like, you can't just wing it. But like literally mm-hmm. all but the time, that's what they do. That's what they do right. Yep. And so, yep. I think that, like, it's kind of history repeating itself in a way where Ahsoka is, like, training Sabine to be, like, no, you have to learn, like, this very important lesson Mm -hmm. of, like, the Jedi and this very important thing. And, like, Anakin's, like, making jokes, like, while clone troopers are dying, which, like, may not be good, but, like, is also... (laughs) 
That happens them. all the damn time. That is that disaster lineage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I just think, I think that is one of the important lessons that she Obi-Wan learns. Obi-Wan just going, well, this isn't a good idea. And he fucking, someone just blows up. Right. And it's like, <laughs> but then when he's on Sarcasm, his own. Sarcasm, dude. When he's on his own, he's like fucking stealing bikes and like. Yeah. Going, doing crazy. Like mm-hmm. going undercover as like. Yep. You know, Rako Hardeen. Yeah. I think that was his name. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, but I think that was kind of interesting. Um, d- so. This continuing on, Anakin kind of transitions into Vader at this moment. We get the pallid skin, we get the red lightsaber, and we get the eye color, right? His eye color, the Sith eyes. And that's when, whoo, this moment's so good. Continues to be very creepy. Yeah. They do such a good job at keeping Darth Vader, like, literally, like, serial killer level scary. Which is good. He's so powerful. Yeah. Um, and also just, again, shout out to fucking Hayden Christensen for, like, just killing the choreography. Literally still having, switching from being Anakin to, like, he, it's not even just the makeup. It's he like does a, it so well. Mm-hmm. He does it so well mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, and that's the transition I really like. Not necessarily the Flash to Darth Vader. Although, it's fine to it's have like that. It's like, he was, like, sad. He's, like, angry. Like, Darth Vader doesn't get angry. Darth Vader is emotionless. He gets even. He's <laughs> just, like soulless like, he's, he's kind of like michael myers he's like, like completely soulless there's no emotion in his face but then when he becomes anakin again his face starts to like move again and it's just like oh it was seamless it was so, so good the battle they kind of continue this is uh adult vader fighting child Ahso- or younger ahsoka um and he basically kicks her out of this memory and then we transition back to Rosario Dawson they continue their battle um and she's able to overpower Vader in this moment mm-hmm. she grabs his lightsaber and this is that moment you were talking about Cass of like where you see kind of like the Sith in her eyes because as she's holding the lightsaber like it you see it reflect in her eyes Lack conviction. Time to die. And she takes his lightsaber, turns it off, and throws it. And she says, I choose to live. And that is the exact kind of same thing that happens with Luke choosing to not kill Vader. Mm -hmm. That's the key, right? It wasn't, you know, choose to live or die by killing me. It was, do you choose? Fight. Do you stay true to your convictions of... Mm -hmm. Whether it's forgiveness, whether it's fighting for what's right, whether it's helping other people, is that the choice that you're willing to make in this moment? And that's what she chooses, is she chooses to live, and that's where we get the transition back to 
Anakin and the world between worlds fades away. He's like relieved. He's relieved. There's this like sense of like this like beautiful little soft smile that he gives. Like you brought me back, which is kind of like it's almost like Ahsoka forgiving him again like Luke did with Darth Vader because um, even though everyone like pissed on George Lucas for the choice to make Anakin. They said George Lucas. George Lucas. George Lupert. Uh, <laughs> George Lupert. <laughs> That's his new name for me now. Um, everyone pissed on him for in the new, in the remastered. <laughs> laughing Nobody about says me. pissed on. I don't know. We're there. Everyone's just <laughs> put him in a George George Lupert in a pile and just pissed on his face. Anyway, they hated the fact that in the remaster aside from many things with the remastered version, they hated the fact that they put Hayden Christensen in it. I actually like that choice because I think it shows that it's even Anakin. though it's kind of Christianity-esque, it's like, oh, I forgive you, so you became good again. It's like, no, you're still a crusty-asshole white guy. That like, I mean, there's a lot of like religious stuff. In, like, we, basically, yes. Ahsoka... What I'm saying is like it, it, it kind of like allowed Anakin to... like be where he is it's almost like that what luke did allowed anakin to be be here in this moment for ahsoka okay i have to we have to pause for a second because and pause on this nugget because and i know we, we're already going really long on this particular episode but um the next one isn't as like heavy-handed as this one there's a lot but it's more like things that happen yeah. in plot and not as like conceptual like Think. This is a very important episode. Like yes. this, they released this in theaters. Like, yes. yeah, yeah. So, here's my thing, and I don't think I've ever been on record on the podcast saying this, but I've always been really hesitant towards the forgiveness of Anakin Skywalker, and here's why. Mm-hmm. You mean Darth Vader? I, I, I mean both, right? Okay. Like, I mean as the same person. Like, there's a very sure. distinct separation, and we've talked about like the death of Anakin Skywalker, but at the end of the day. A lot. The choices that Anakin makes are what leads him to Darth Vader, right? Yeah. So he he is as much uh, complicit in the atrocities as Darth Vader, like, oh, whether you want to separate them out or not, right? And so I've always been really hesitant about the forgiveness aspect towards Anakin Skywalker, and so I was really nervous, a, a little bit, kind of going into this because I was worried that it would like kind of wipe away or absolve him of like the the atrocities that's what i love that's what i love about this right? and i don't think it does i don't think it does it's not that the forgiveness that luke has given him has turned him into like an angel or something or has like wiped away all of his past sins or some shit no it's just that he is humanized again Mm -hmm. and he's not some like it just humanizes him. That's all that happens is that he recognizes that he's a father. He recognizes again that he is connect- just as much connected to Anakin as he is Darth Vader and vice versa. And nothing has stopped. Nothing has um, cleaned his slate per se. It's just that he is able to manifest as something other than just this husk of like an entity. Right. You know, well, and, and I it will just s- humanizes him. It doesn't make him good or bad. I will say, I think, I think the, I think there's a lot lost in, people who kind of like put Anakin Skywalker up on this pedestal, right? Sure. Of like they lose the fact the that golden like, boy. A, the golden like they they lose the fact that he, like I said, is complicit in every fucking thing that happens. He's also right? a little asshole sometimes. And he's an asshole. Granted, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. He like the but like 
when you get like the atrocities that he commits on like the mass scale that he does and like like very is literal on, fascist like it's hard to like it's hard for me to be like like you know yeah go Anakin but I will say he killed all those Tuscan Raiders all that said he killed a lot of people no, I'm just saying like <laughs> from yes, the very right, beginning yeah. like not even like Anakin did that yes you know but I will say. I do think that having Hayden back and Hayden portraying young Anakin and this version of Anakin in the world between worlds that we get, I think is phenomenal. And it's so well executed that I don't think that they are giving Vader redemption in this. No. As much as they're giving Ahsoka the opportunity to learn what she needs to learn to become the better master than Anakin was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It is. if it is not Anakin himself manifesting in part of the world of the world, like world between worlds, it is the force using his memory. The concept to of Anakin. teach Ahsoka. And not saying that this is what's going to happen, but there is the whole, like, again, we talked about it, the father, the Mortis gods, mm-hmm. the father, Well, there's definitely the daughter, a connection in some way. Could Anakin be that the manifestation of the father who is the balance between the dark side and the light side? He is the father. He is Vader. He's, yeah. He is Davada. Davada. Anyway, the episode kind of ends. Ahsoka gets rescued. Um, and the basically where we kind of are left off. They take a whale ship. So, um, yeah, I would, I'll finish this up really, really quickly. Because, again, I know that we've, we've we're yeah, been recording we're for a while. Um uh, the world between worlds kind of fades away um, and Ahsoka kind of goes into water and there's this kind of, it's a, I think it's an obvious metaphor for like baptism or like whatever you want to call it or, just, you know, that rebirth kind of thing. Um, but what's really interesting and people have called this out um, and I, I'll find the Twitter thread originally who did this and I'll, you know, give credit on our, uh, our Twitter, but someone pointed out there were these uh, trading cards that Dave Filoni drew of Ahsoka kind of in the world between worlds with Vader and with um I'm forgetting her name but the owl right in 2016 mm-hmm. prior to rebels ending and everything like that but showing her in this water right mm. and, and like this world between worlds series so I think he's had it in his That's mind cool. for a long time yeah. that like this was kind of going to be part of that mm-hmm. um that ending um She's rescued um and then she reemerges after she's rescued in like a white and gray kind of collection of robes. Gonna say, though. Say it. Her little headband thing not being there was very jarring. It was very weird. It was very weird. I, saw I actually pe- saw a picture of someone Donald that Trump. put Trump. And I was like, no. <laughs> I mean, she does have orange skin, so. Uh, the it Jedi Order. The, the Jedi <laughs> Order. Sorry, I can't do a Donald Trump. That's going to no, be pretty so good. Bad. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I don't even know what else to say. Like Better than better than ever. It's better than ever. It's so good. It's going to be so great. <laughs> the Jedi Order. It's going to be It's going to be perfect. I can't do it. That's bad. That's terrible. I might cut that out. Uh, I don't want to embarrass me. But I, what I, what I am going to say is um, the gray robes. I have to imagine at minimum that's at least a nod to gray Jedi. Honest, yeah. Because there is some semblance of what that is, right? I, I feel like at this an- point, she's manifesting it even more than she was before. Manifest them, Grey Jedi. Manifest Grey Jedi. It's giving Grey Jedi. It's giving Grey Jedi. I also, part of me also wonders if 
uh, there's a nod to, this is going to sound silly, but Gandalf the, the White, oh, right? Because yeah. when Gandalf dies mm-hmm. and goes through his hero's journey, he comes oh, back as Gandalf as the White. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's... Also, it's a great wardrobe. She looks so elegant. I love it. It's great. It. It's, it's really phenomenal. Good. Um, anyway, uh, she senses the Force Echo on this map fragment and learns that Sabine is alive. She also learns, and we'll figure this out in the next episode, that Sabine goes willingly, um, which is, I think, really important. Um, and then, like you said, Ahsoka gets the idea to ride the fucking Pergil into battle, mm-hmm. and they formulate a plan to finally make Vor canon in Star Wars. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Or, or not, ew. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Uh, no, but they literally take the ship inside the Pergil's mouth. And I did love this part because I think it shows Ahsoka's growth and in, in Ahsoka being back to her, um, her, not her normal self, but kind of the Ahsoka she used to be. Because yeah. she jokes with Hu Yang a little bit because she's like, You'll suddenly know where Sabine was taken. I have no idea. What? No idea. We'll just see where it goes. It could go anywhere. I know. That's better than going nowhere. So I think that, like, that just kind of shows she is at least back to a better... Reinvigorated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where the episode closes off. So good. Moving on to part six... Far, far away, the official description here is the search for Grand Admiral Thrawn reaches beyond the limits of the galaxy. And I think it's actually really cool that I'm doing this one because I have a lot of... Yeah. As I've said, I have a little bit more of a connection to Thrawny Prawny because... What's his full name? Mithron... Mithron... It's Mithron Wodo. Mithron Wodo. I can't... I don't know how to say it, but all I know is that when I read it, it's... I have. It's actually he's listed as that and not as Thrawn, which I think is really cool. It's Mithron Naruto. Mithron Naruto. <laughs> Mithron Naruto. I don't know. <laughs> the man, the myth, Thrawn the Naruto. Naruto? <laughs> um, it's Mithral Nur. It's Mithron Naruto. Mithron Naruto. And just a little lore. I don't know if you want me to say this or not. Do it. Do what but you I'm gonna say do. it. But the reason his name is so long like that is because. There are the Chiss, like... That's the Chiss ascendancy. name. Ascendancy. Yeah. Obviously, he's a Chiss. But the Chiss ascendancy and the Chiss culture, um, they are the middle, kind of, of their full name mm-hmm. is what they kind of go by. But um, it's been a little while. Basically, Myth is the family that he has been adopted into. Um, he was adopted into that family and very quickly ascended, much to most of the Chiss ascendancy chagrin, um, as a like huge force, yeah. Um, which is kind of part of his whole through fair in the book series is that he just like was really badass and everyone was kind of jealous of him for that. But he did make friends along the way, yeah. Um, which is also really cool. Thrawn's such a fucking cool character. He is so badass. Um, so speaking of cast and what I'm going to talk about about Thrawn because this is our first introduction of him. Um, first, our director here is actually Jennifer Getzinger. Who was also a director of Mad Men and Westworld mm. episodes. So nice. that's pretty intense and cool. Yeah. Um, and then Dave Filoni, which I don't know why, but my text like got way tinier. So it just looks like it <laughs> says, writers, Dave Filoni, like in tiny little text. Um, um, excuse and me. Just so you remember. Can I have a little bit of Dave Filoni? Just a little bit of Dave Filoni. Just a little bit of Dave Filoni. Just a little bit of Dave Filoni. Stop doing your, your 
really bad that Trump, Trump impression. Well, now I can't cut the out the other re- one. No one's going to know you're doing it. The only reason I know you're doing it is because you're pinching your fingers together like he does, but no one can <laughs> see that. So they just think you're being dumb. Which I'm is sorry, fine. everyone. No. Like Once again, let me just say it. Dave Filoni. Dave, fuck, Dave fuck John Wayne. Fuck Trump. Yeah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> We're back on We're track. Good. Anyway, moving along. The new cast that we have in this episode, of course, first and foremost, Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn, baby Thrawn, baby. Um, he also voices Thrawn in the Star Wars mm-hmm, Rebels series, mm-hmm. which is great. It is so amazing when you finally see a character's voice act, like voice yes. in real life. It's so it, good. Coming out of their mouth. It is just, oh, he's got a great voice. Also, once again, <laughs> to the random people on Twitter that are like, it, uh, he was great as Thrawn, but can you just, like, lift his cheekbones up a little bit and uh, make sure... Like, just come stop. On. Like, come on. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's He's also fine. older. Please like, don't, like... It, this is, like, a great moment for, like, the Star Wars fandom to not fulfill the, like, stereotypes of, like, just being the most obnoxious fucking people on the planet. Just, just don't be the most igno- obnoxious yeah. people on the planet. He's fine. He's Thrawn like, is fine. His mannerisms, his whole, like... I didn't know I was going to be this fiery in this episode. Good. No, you know what? I was, I, I, ugh, I just liked watching him move and the way he talked and his expressions were fucking incredible. Um, he's also, uh, so Lars Mikkelsen, huge actor, comes from a huge acting family. His old, uh, he's the older brother of Mads Mikkelsen, who was actually also in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen played Galen Erso in Rogue One. Yep. And he was also Hannibal Lecter. But Mad's other uh, credits include Victor Petrov in House of Cards, Stregobor in The Witcher, which I can attest to him being incredible because I nice. love The Witcher series, and Charles Augustus Magnuson in Sherlock, nice. which I think is great because um, actually I think he said this on the in the Star Wars Day kind of promos of, of the show that Thrawn is very much like Sherlock, which is spot on. Oh, for sure. He loves to teach people, even his enemies, when something is happening instead of one of my favorite things about him in the books is like when something is happening, there's like literally ships like encroaching on them and shooting on them. And he just got his arms folded behind his back. And one of his commanders is like, what do we do? And he's like, well, what do you see? What do you think's going on? And it's like, dude, we're about to die. But like he somehow has to make it instructive. And like, he's just awesome. Yeah. And I think that like that is... I think that is an important characteristic for him, right? Yeah. Like, I, mean, I don't think we get enough of it in Rebels, I will say. I think that, like... We definitely see it in this episode, yeah. which I'll get to, which is really great. We're getting some really pure Thrawn energy here, and it's it's really, really good. Um, we also have Iman Asfandi as Ezra Bridger. Hell fucking yeah, also man. in King Richard and Pepito. And I love a scruffy Ezra, I'm just going to say. Oh. He is cute as hell. He is a absolute cutie as Ezra Bridger. Really fucking great. Perfect. Really fucking great. Gerald Prescott Galleon as Actropaw, which is one of the first of the um, Dathomiri witches. Um, she's also in Queensmen, The Walking Dead, and something that I saw called Deadly Dilf. <laughs> that sounds so. Fun. I, I didn't <laughs> wish I looked it up more, but I didn't. But I was like, hmm, interesting. Okay. Claudia Black as Clothow. Um, also plays Aaron's son in the Farscape series, so not new to uh, sci-fi at all. And she's also the voice of Tess Everest in Destiny, which I picked up on immediately. As soon as I heard her talking, I was like, 
This sounds very familiar, and I instantly recognize Tess's voice from Destiny. I'm surprised... Sorry, I'll let you continue with the cast, but I'm surprised that they didn't get um, Barbara Goodson, who voices Mother Towson. Um, I guess they didn't the want Clone us to Wars. think it was Mother Towson, because it's definitely not. Maybe. But I have a lot of background on the witches, and we'll get to it. But Sick. Oh, I love... Yeah. Jane Edwina Seymour as Lachesis. Uh, dude... She was the fucking Borg Queen in Picard. Oh, sick. Who is so good. I mean, she she's in The Expanse as well. She's also in NCIS. But her... Oh, sorry, not NCIS. She's also in You and Tomorrow. And her performance as the Borg Queen is phenomenal. Can I just say, this is an aside, but I love... So when we make our show notes, we have like the links to, to where we pull this from, which is Wikipedia. Shout out Wikipedia as always. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I love that, like, I click this link and, like, look at her. Her <laughs> smash her face. Her face is, like, so... I'm going to take a, try to take a screenshot and, like, her smash face is just like, mm, <sighs> give me some Nightwish, some Nightwish power. I don't know. I'm sorry. Give me some Nightwish juice. I'm really amped up today. I, these are, like, two fucking oh, they're great so episodes. Good. They're so like, good. Back to back. I love it so much. And then we have Wes Chatham as Captain Enoch. This motherfucker. Oh, dude. Enoch is he's also dope. Yeah. He's also in the Hunger Games, The Expanse, and NCIS. And so those are... That's all we have for newer cast members that are credited. However, there are some creatures and noises we get that are really cool and some voices we get of some other creatures on this planet that we will talk about in a minute. So this episode begins with, again, we're kind of stopping right where we, we're kind of starting right where we stopped, which is with Hugh Yang and Ahsoka, you know, just kind of like being boar babies inside the whale's mouth. Galactic travel within a star whale. Now I really have done it all. I remember them from the stories you would tell us. When we were younglings back at the temple. Ah, yes. History of the galaxy parts one, two, and three. One being the best, of course. Um, they're actually reminiscing about like different stories that they were told as children, and at first, Ahsoka like doesn't want to be told a story. But then she does disclose to him that Sabine went with the enemy willingly. That's like one thing she yeah, does Yeah, she says say. that she didn't tell that to Hera, right? Um, yeah, and of course we know that she saw that from like her force huffing experience where she was like sucking in the force Sensing shoes. the force echoes. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So she did like a she did like a bong rip. She saw, she heard <laughs> Sabine. Wasn't as intense as what we saw Darth Maul do uh, earlier on on a different planet. Um, in a whole different show. But anyway, um, Huang wonders actually if the... I actually like this little tidbit. Um, he actually mentioned something about if the Force had anything to do with Sabine's decision. Um, more than likely, mm. yes. But I think that's part of the whole fact that Sabine realizes that the Force isn't just about like this mystical experience. It's also about like connecting with people and yeah. trusting people. And she trusts Ezra. It's that blind trust, right? Well, I think the Force too, like... In the way that, like, in the way that Ahsoka was happy to see Anakin, like, that level of connection where it's, like, transcends, yeah. like, the really terrible shit it's that she knows important. he did. Of course, like, Sabine wants to go get Ezra. Yeah, like, exactly. That's that's the force, mm-hmm. right? Like, is like, yeah. Yeah. It connects us. It binds us. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyway, Ahsoka does decide to, she decides to hear a story. And, of course, Huang 
begins with the iconic a long time ago in a galaxy far, far, far away. away. And then we are transitioned to Sabine in the cell of in the eye of Scion, which is headed towards Paradia. Um Morgan wonders to Bayland if he still has use for her, and he says that he does because he thinks that she's still blinded by the fact, even though Hu Yang and they've just talked about the fact that she's going to see Ezra purposefully, that she's blinded by the fact that she is just looking for Ezra. Mm-hmm. So he believes that there's still more that he can kind of manipulate when it comes to her. And just before they arrive at Paradia, Sabine is brought to the bridge and she shares this weird moment where she like locks eyes with Shin. And oh, that everybody weird, thinks it's totally that gay. That wasn't a weird moment. Oh. Which is it great. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. It was, they were looking at each other for a long time. Come Shin's on. eyes were like, Shin's eyes were literally that eye emoji. It's not gonna be because it's Disney and they're annoying and like know. they won't let Shin's people be gay. Shin's eyes were but, like, literally that eye emoji looking at Sabine. And Sabine was like, the fuck you looking at? Like, I don't know. It was great. It was, it was very gay. It was cute and also weird. And it was cute and it was weird. And then Skull mentions again the younglings. He's still fantasizing about the fact that, you know, he hears all these stories about like Paradia when, you know, the younglings talk about it, the stories of Paradia. Um, But we also get the lore here that apparently this is where Purgles went to die. That is Peridia, the ancient homeworld of my ancestors, the Dathomiri. The Jedi Archive spoke of this place. The end of the migration route used by the Star Whales as they traversed the void from one galaxy to the other. My people were among the first to harness and ride the creatures in the days before time was counted. The whales came here to die. Peridia was a graveyard. Yeah, dude. This was so badass. So there's just like a graveyard of whale bones floating in space. And for me, it reminded me, not of anything Star Wars related, but of the astral plane in Dungeons and Dragons. Where it's just like dead god it's bodies. It's literally dead god husks. So a shout out to Nadpod. Shout out to the two crew. Uh, if anyone listens to Nadpod. But that's just like, that's a thing? No, like... but they call them husks. Oh. Specific- yeah, specifically, they're like the husk. And the husks have a musk, and it's really funny. And oh, so I, I thought about that. And so I wonder what the whale husk musk is. Um, but anyway, there's just these giant bones floating in space, which is really fucking awesome. I, it's literally part of their trajectory is they come here and they die. They're kind of like... Um, it's like the end of their life. It's like a migratory thing. It's like, yeah, salmon. Like swimming upstream yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, giant well, I guess space they, salmon. They swim to mate, but like... They, yeah, 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 they, they die up. eventually. Um, so anyway, they arrive there, which is... We find now also that Paradia is also the ancient homeworld of the Dathomiri, which I'm going to go a little bit into. I've always had this very interesting thought and love for the Dathomiri. Uh, if you did listen to like earlier episodes of us, I talk a lot about the Zabrak. Oh, I want a whole fucking Night Sister TV show. Oh, yeah. It's like, so good. It's my shit. favorite thing. I ca- I'm like, I really want to be Shinhati for Halloween, but part of me just wants to like, tear up some red like clothes and like be a night sister or something there, there is a great night so we need to talk about this because you could be Marin. i think her name is Marin. oh from... i know who she is yes yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i know who she is i need to play that game but anyway they arrive on paradia 
Um, this is the ancient homeworld of Dathomiri. So I had to like wrap my head around this because I was like, don't, don't Dathomirans come from Dathomir? That's why the planet's called Dathomir? Like, what do they mean, like, per- perigea? But this is way more ancient than Dathomir, right? So, the ancient Dathomiri, the like, the first origins of Dathomiri, I assume, are coming from this planet. At least from what we know in the, you know, distorted remnants of lore that we have. Um, Dathomirans are typically native to Dathomir, Right? Makes sense. However, there's also, if you look in the canon, and I actually thought, because this is the other weird, crazy strain of Wikipedia, is that not only do we have this entire wiki of Star Wars lore, there are sections that are legends yeah, and a canon, lot of articles as have, we've said yeah. before. However, if you look at the Zabrak section, it says canon. And so what that means is that Zabraks are like the larger name for the species, the species of creatures that have these horns protruding from their head. Um, but there's Iridonians and Dathomirans. And so I don't know if it's just like what planet they come from. I guess mm-hmm. that's probably what it is. Iridonia is also a Zabrak well, It's probably planet. the same way that there's like humans on multiple planets like in yes, Star Wars. Yes, exactly. Right? Like, it's just a lot. There's just yeah. a lot of different terminology being used here, which was a little confusing. Um, and I remember Zabraks and Iridonians specifically from Knights of the Old Republic because sure. that's the first time you see them. Um, and then you get into the hierarchy of the female Dathomirans versus the male, like Zabrak or Iridonians, because there is a difference here. The Knight Sisters, they're, they're typically, as far as we know, only female, right? The, the witches. Um, so what we know from the new lore of this planet is that there was a witch kingdom here. A stronghold not unlike the one Mother Talzin actually had on Dathomir. So very similar to what kind of Mother Talson was doing on Dathmir. Night Sisters are like spiritual warriors who dabble in dark magics that actually aren't unlike the Force. It's very similar to the Force, but also they have like these necromantic seeming capabilities. Oh, yeah. We've seen them revive. We've seen the Inquisitors. It's and not of course, seeming. They literally like bring people no, back. Oh yes, from they the add, dead. they literally do. They have like this green juice that comes out. Like it's crazy. Um, they actually take that. This is badass. They take Zabrak males as mates and servants. So we've seen this with Mother Talzin is the mother of Darth Maul and his brothers. And they are just like subservient to the Night Sisters. They do. It's almost seen as an honor to be taken on by the Night Sisters, mm-hmm. right? Um, the three witches that we come into contact here that have been on this stronghold, their names should sound very familiar to you. Clothal, Actropol, and Lachesis, which I'm probably tearing up but when i first saw them i knew that they were very similar to is it macbeth well somewhat from macbeth the three witches are also um like oh um the the the, the fates fates yes mm-hmm. yeah they're like so supposed greek, to be in greek this... mythology the three fates um they were clotho atropos and lachesis so their names are literally just amalgamations of the greek names and it makes sense because this episode relies so heavily on greek and like roman mythology Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about i think Mm -hmm. when we get into Mm -hmm. thrawn stuff oh i'm getting way more into it yes and like there's Mm -hmm. also like biblical references absolutely it's like everything is just like so this heavy accent lore dump this is a text textually Mm -hmm. heavy, which is why i was so happy to do this one oh yeah i mean i'm sure there's more that i didn't catch the three witches are very leery of sabine they literally just like include 
enclose her in this red laser prism and are like, that's a Jedi. Fuck that. Put it in the, put it, put it in jail. Long have we waited for you. And you came as Thrawn promised. Where is Thrawn? You shall wait. He is coming. It reeks of Jedi. It is dangerous. Solitude. Hey, we had a deal. Where is Ezra? Where is he? Can I can we just pause here for a second? Because yeah. here's something that I think is really interesting. The fact that Sabine hasn't like completed any kind of Jedi training. Ahsoka. They know they can sense it in her. So like that to me means like again, she's like she's strong in the force. She's strong in the force in a way that we haven't seen yet. Absolutely, and or they, that they we have sense seen. It. And, yeah, it's right. So like, good it's like, to know. Yeah. Oh, uh, I love I love that that happened. I didn't even think about the implications of that and t- like of her being like spotted as a mm-hmm. Jedi. They immediately pick up. They on know, it. and I think that that just kind of says mm-hmm. so much like about her as a Jedi. Absolutely. Um. So they take her down. They She's taken down to the ruins. Meanwhile, we get this really nice moment of establishment between Hati and Balin. Where, like, there's a silhouette. I, I pointed this out to you. They're, we we come to find out what they are later on. They're not loth wolves. But they're, like, these wolf-like creatures howling. And then there's we trans... Three. Yep. And then we transition to Shin and Balin. Who we know from Norse mythology. We've talked about their names are wolves... It, they represent They're representing wolves. like God yes. tier wolves, essentially. The wolves that chase the sun and the moon yes. in Norse mythology. And um, they discuss children's stories as well. Balin seems really caught up on the fact about these fucking children's stories. And he also just mentions kind of historical reference for him that he was Hati's age when he saw the Jedi temple burn. So there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of context there. He was like, I was around your age when I mm-hmm. saw the Jedi temple burn. I mean, that adds up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. So it's just good to know. It's just a good, a little bit more like. So I guess she's around 20. Mm-hmm. He's around 50, 50 60. Yeah. Um, Sabine, meanwhile, attempts to use the force to get out of her cell. And she's like, oh shit, I'm moving shit. But it's not her. It's literally the Chimera coming to the planet. Dude. Which- the Chimera is... Thrawn ship, which he was given in Heir to the Empire. Um, again, shout out to that book. If you want to see some great action between Thrawn and Darth Vader, you've got to read it. They are so shitty to each other, but it's so good. Was it Heir to the Empire or was it the uh I'm oh, sorry, earlier? Alliances. Got alliances it. is the one. Sorry, there's six of them that I've And this read. is the same ship, mm-hmm. presumably, that was in Rebels. We talked it's about this episode. It's gotta be. Thrawn's ship is the Chimera. That's his ship. Yep. So That, that essentially gets transported with the mm-hmm. Pergale here. Absolutely. And then we see him in the beautiful blue flesh.
First, just a dream has become a frightening reality for those who may impose us. There he is, and his beautiful red eyes, which, by the way, are infrared. He does have just his high have cheekbones. infrared eyes, so they can see actually on a different scale than people. And then we see his fucking night troopers, dude. Okay. So these guys, let me go through it. First of all, we've seen zombie stormtroopers before. There's a whole book about them. I don't personally know about that. So I was going to say, I, I don't know about that either, but that is, I believe that's a Legends book. And all I know is that there's zombie stormtroopers. Cool. I, this is a, thou- this is a thousand cares? percent a awesome. representation or, or a call to those. Like yes. the night troopers yes. have to be that. Like, but what's even cooler about them, which is why we saw that reference earlier where Hati like has this Shin has this like she gasps as you know Ahsoka tears down um the one Inquisitor and he just kind of like evaporates into this like black smoke clearly he was Mm -hmm. reanimated and so basically what we find has happened is Thrawn has been surviving on this planet his soldiers have died over the time and just like the terror of of being on this planet and the Night Sisters have reanimated their corpses. We're assuming, We're right? Assuming. We're assuming they've been dead because two things I'll note. They have the red ribbons of the Night Sisters warriors, like armor on them, which is really cool. But then they also are gilded in like gold filigree in the cracks of their armor, mm-hmm. which we which can is- assume is where they've been destroyed. In Japan, this is called Kintsugi. Or kintsukuroi. Um, it's a process of repairing ceramics, tra- traditionally with lacquer and gold, leaving a gold seam where the cracks were. Um, and there's actually a Chinese tradition of this as well, and I think it's called a different name. Um, but I just, I knew as soon as I saw the gold, I was like, this is a call to this, because their armor has been ruined. And Thrawn is a purveyor of the arts. He is very mm-hmm. artistic. I'm certain that this is his doing. This is something that he picked up. There's probably some alien race that does a very similar thing. And he decided to complete that metaphor because he's a badass bitch and he loves art. And so that's, it's just so, oh, I just love it so much. It's so good. I love that there is an Asian flair like to this. It makes me so happy. Um, it's so beautiful. It is so badass. It is so cool. And then we also get Captain Enoch, whose entire fucking faceplate is gold. And his is very biblical. Yes. In, in Roman. I mean, his name, Enoch, is Roman. I'm pretty sure. Um, but, it, but he just looks like a Roman soldier, right? He, like, just looks so thrown well, out of, like... There he was looks a book so jarringly different than the rest of the. There was like a book of Enoch in the Bible. Yes, so I have a little yeah. bit on that as well. So Enoch was taken up to heaven and was appointed guardian of all the celestial treasures, chief of the archangel, 
archangels, <laughs> archangels, all those, and all those all ninety degreeers, all those nine degree angles, and he was the immediate attendant on the throne of God. So this, so he's he's thrown second here, in command. Exactly. He was subsequently taught all secrets and mysteries, and with all the angels at his back, fulfills of his own accord whatever comes out of the mouth of God, executing his degrees. Some esoteric literature, such as. Um, uh, Enoch identifies as Metatron, the angel which mm-hmm. communicates God's word. Um, you can't hear God. Like, it's mm-hmm, like, a, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. In consequence, Enoch was seen by this literature and the rabbinic Kabbalah of Jewish mysticism as the one who communicated God's revelation to Moses, and in particular as the dictator of the Book of Jubilees. I am not very Christian-oriented. That is some lore that my one English professor always said I was my weakness because he was like, you know, all these metaphors and you know, all this shit, but like, you need to read the fucking Bible. (laughs) He's like, I don't care that you're, you're like, like atheist. You need to read the Bible. It's very important (laughs) to literature. And I'm like, you're right. I just can't get through it. I don't read it. So anyway. Yeah. I, 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 the importance is not when he also lived for a long ass time. Like he lived for like 365 years. Yeah. Well, in, the Bible mythos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lived for 365 years, which I think is like, I don't know if there's like a the zombie element. He was probably the first one that like, they reanimated. And yeah. he is Thrawn's golden boy. Right. Literally. He's Thrawn's golden boy. And he has this fucking trooper mask that is it's just... It's so cool. It's... I I I think what they did... This is spec, pure specula- speculation. Pure speculation. This is per, pure speculation. This is me speculating. We speculating. I think what happened is his, his mask, like he died mm-hmm. his mask got broken in like the front of it and they basically took his fucking face skull yep. oh, and like molded the to. gold around it yeah because like, because he has facial features of a human skull that are not so in a stormtrooper helmet fucking bonkers it's for awesome. like a star wars it's thing so cool. like that's so fucking cool i have goosebumps it's just the cool it's just the coolest shit it it's also just- very much like i've seen people make this reference so i'm not the first one making it but like people were like talking about like caesar's army in um, oh yeah absolutely fallout new vegas like it looks just like it. Yeah, it's you very, show like, me. Fallout, yeah. like New Vegas, because that's like a very like mixture of like Caesar's uh, Legion. It's Caesar's same exact Legion. Thing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So it is very much like I saw someone put uh, like Fallout New Vegas like dialogue under it's Enoch. So it was like good. I know this fits. Like it's great. It just it just again combines my favorite things in the whole world. I love the fact that's one thing I love about Star Wars is that it like it takes my love of Japanese like culture. It takes my love of like. The Roman, Empire. the Roman Empire. You love the Roman Empire, you know. John Wayne. Fuck John Wayne. Fuck John Wayne. Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> it is so good. And I think it just attests to the fact that even though, you know, if you haven't read about Thrawn, you wouldn't get this part, but like he's so artistic. There's such an artistic flavor to him that like he would do something like this. He would make sure that this happened, right? Yeah. It's a really interesting connection too between him and Sabine, I think. And oh, that's, that's one of the reasons. That's what I'm about to get into. Yeah, I so. think I think it's important that he and Sabine clash the way they do. And they always have. And that's also, yes. He respects Sabine as an artist. He has some of her artwork in his like repository of art uh, from what we've known about rebels, right? He knows that she is very smart, very artistic, um, and they loathe one another for the <laughs> Basically. So they bring Sabine out and she's immediately glaring daggers at him. And Thrawn has the audacity to thank her for helping him escape exile. The prisoner is Sabine Wren. Now that's a familiar name. 
You're quite right. She'll be of great use to us. What a delight it is after so long to see a familiar face. I understand it is you I have to thank for my escape from exile. Where is Ezra? Ah, yes. The desire to be reunited with your long-lost friend. How that singular focus will reshape our galaxy. Just answer the question. No need for hostility. I'm aware of your agreement with Balin's skull, and I intend to honor it. You shall have provisions, amounts, and our latest intel on Bridges' whereabouts. So that's it? You're just gonna let me walk out of here? You helped my cause. Now I shall help yours. You should know, though, that once my starship departs, you'll be stranded here forever. Yeah. And she's just like, I mean, that's just the way he is. He's so polite. It but is I will so say, jarring. He's very, he's also very, on, like, he's honorable in the sense that, like, I'm trying to think of, I don't want to say what I want to say, but he's honorable in, like, the sense that, like, a lot of bad people think they're honorable, where it's like, no, I'm going to live up to my word. Well, I'm going to do this evil shit, but, like, I'm going to, I'm going to give you what you, I, I promised you. Not kind at of this thing. point, but I'm going to, I'm going to argue that in, in the first, like, Thrawn Ascendancy books, he's not a bad guy. He actually, like, go, defies the Chiss Ascendancy to, like, save people's lives, save an entire race of people. Mm-hmm. So, like, but... He also does fucked up shit too, but he's like he likes kids. Like I don't know, it's very. Well, you, I think it's you the, come out of reading those books really loving Thrawn. I don't think Thrawn is like in terms of morality. I think he definitely is more moral, say, than like the Emperor or like Darth sure. Vader. But like. It's a sliding scale, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, when you think about, like, KOTOR and, like, there's, like, the dark side. Like, he's still in, like, the dark side realm. He's too intelligent for his own good. And he uses his intelligence to his advantage. And most of the time, that is to gain the upper hand, whatever that may mean, right? And so, this is what he does again in this very polite voice, you know. as you know, Sabine asks, like, where the fuck is Ezra? To which Thrawn replies, like... He's going to honor his agreement or honor the agreement that Balin gave her. He literally like quickly sets her off with like a blaster, some clothes, and then one of those howlers Howler. that we saw earlier. Um, and Enoch actually already like knows how to communicate with the fucking howlers. He says, Dota. And the, and the howler like kneels, which is really cool. And he says, he's like, go ahead, go find him. We told you that we would let you do it. I will honor that. And, I know that from Thrawn's kind of history, like he says what he means and he means what he says. And there's always a catch. There's always something that is going to benefit him in the end. And of course, when she leaves, Thrawn says, you know, y'all follow at your own pace. Shin Hati, or sorry, Shin and Skull, you guys go after her. 
So Ren journeys through parody on her own with little help in searching from her howler, who is cute as shit and kind of reminds me of Polly. Um, and also Polly loves him. So like when we were watching it, I just wanted Polly's to know. Polly's our cat. Yes, our kitty it. cat. So Polly is so sweetly empathetic of animals, like even CGI animals. Like this whole part when the howler was making noise, she just kept slowly creeping up to the TV, which is like tilting her head and watching it. She's obsessed with him and it was really, really cute. Anyway, she's first uh, set upon by bandits. And there's this great fight sequence here where she takes out her lightsaber. However, her scanner is damaged. So she's been using the scanner, I guess, to like find Ezra. I don't really know what the connection is there. I don't know if you know what that is, but now she just can't use her scanner. So she's just Mm. kind of like blindly moving forward, right? Meanwhile, at the Chimera, the night troopers, this is the part that I wanted to note, are like moving this floating storage containers onto the ship. Well, it's like pieces of... They're floating cargo containers. And Morgan specifically said something earlier about catacombs and how it would take three cycles to like get everything from the catacombs. And this could just generally mean that they're like moving the rest of the stormtrooper bodies because Thrawn is bringing his night trooper army. But my thought is that there are Dathomirans in there and that there might be some like night sisters added to his army. So I actually think it might be a connection to Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. Do you have this in your notes? I don't, but I remember you sending this to me. There was a, if I can recall correctly, There's you some... sent me a tweet of an image from Jedi Order where there was runes mm-hmm. that were talking about this great fallen emperor of that empire. And those same runes are at this temple. Yep. So someone, and and. Again, this is just trusting someone on the internet. So I don't know if this is true or not, but someone <laughs> um, translated one of the like like glyphs, not the glyphs, but like there's some other writing. And it says, raise Kujet, ruler of all, may his reign last for all something, all time, all eternity, something like that. So Kujet was a ruler like in the Zepho species. Zepho are yes. a... Um, Which I hate that name because it makes me think of Zippo Lighter. Well, no, no, no. So, so this is really important though. So the Zepho, he was the, he, his seat was on Dathomir. Oh, okay. That's, that's why so I was confused. One of the things... I was like, they're two separate alien races. However, the... they both have a dark side well, connection the Z- yeah the zepho are so we've had connect we've had zepho brought up a couple of times mm-hmm. in more recent and been in rebels. star wars stuff they were in um tales of the wasn't jedi. in rebel rebels or tales of the jedi oh. it was in um <laughs> it was in no. the bad batch oh. season two <laughs> what thing are we talking about now um i know there's too much shit there's well we love it but we'll just say there's too much shit to keep up with i love um, all this shit let me eat all this shit Anyway, we don't need to get too deep because I don't think a lot of people who listen no. to us are like that in tune with like the Zepho stuff. But the Zepho are, we've talked about them before. They're in Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. And I think they're they're an ancient species. Yes. An ancient race that mm-hmm. was like well before like all of like the the, the species that are there now. And I Absolutely. think they have a distinct connection to the Dathomirians. Yes. And I think that's what they might be moving. Mm-hmm. Um, well, either way, they're definitely bringing some crazy shit onto the ship. Meanwhile... Um, Ren, Sabine, like, kind of berates her, like, little cutie howler mount because he keeps, like, he's not really helping her. And there's this cute little moment where she's, like, walking 
Oh, speaking of which, there's a little kitty in here. You! You abandoned me! Should have known you were a coward. I'll give you another chance, but you better not bail on me this time. Got it? She eventually gets to the Noti, which are these cute little, like, crustacean guys. Weird dudes in Star Wars! I love the little weird dudes! You know, we like a little weird dude! We love, dude. we love a weird dude. We love the howlers and we love They're so cute. The and no they go, Ezra Richard. And they say his name and she's like, holy shit. And one of them has Ezra's rebel insignia. Yeah. And so they just go right on forward. Eventually they get to the settlement. Their houses look like them. Yes. Which is a signature like of aliens. they're wearing their houses on their backs, but then also their backs, their house so backs. So the Noti are these like hermit crab yeah, hermit people. Crab guys. Like, yeah. They're, they're mm-hmm. great. They're, they're like, so cute. Yeah. I loved him. And while she's there, she sees Ezra. And he's really cute, like I said, and scruffy. And he's just so charismatic and like He's in his Jesus of Nazareth to... moment. Yeah, he's, era. he's, he's Sorry. It's giving Je- Jesus. It's definitely giving Jesus. And um, he hugs her and they embrace. And it's really sad because he's like, oh, I can't wait to go home. <laughs> so he's like, yeah. About she doesn't that. say anything yet. Well, but she's just things- kind of like. Did we touch on the fact that uh, Thrawn is like ready to just like leave without? Oh, absolutely. With uh, without a. Um, I didn't say that, Shin but yes. Hati and mm-hmm. Balin. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was going to call out, and people, have, I I don't know if this is true or not, but someone on the internet, as is the, often the case of that we're talking about like these rumors and stuff, mm-hmm. someone thinks that like the chainmail uh, that Ezra is wearing is actually made of stormtrooper dog tags. So like. Thrawn has been like sending stormtroopers to try oh, to find him. Oh, that would him. be fucking nuts! And he's been killing them and making his armor. I didn't out of see it. that, but that'd be cool as shit. If you zoom in, there is it is like not typical chainmail. But, but who like, knows what that is? Yeah, I, I mean that would be very cool. But I don't also see Ezra doing that, like killing stormtroopers. Well, yes, but not like making armor out of their... I don't know. He Maybe. collects stormtrooper helmets. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Never mind. Actually, that's very on would par. Do that. N- Nope, there. It's very on par. It is very Ezra. Anyway, um, I do like. Also, we get another little segue of Shin and Balin. Uh, they're kind of following Sabine and her footsteps. Balin mentions like the enemy of our enemy is our friend, so they're not gonna like fight the bandits. But then Balin also mentions again. We haven't got a lot of lore on Shin yet, and I was hoping to get a little bit more, but we really it's haven't. It's very odd that we. But haven't. Balin does mention that Ezra is a Boken Jedi. Which essentially just means that 
It's a Padawan that was taken from the Jedi Temple and their studies continued outside of the temple. He was trained from a Boken Jedi because that was what... Yes. And so that is what Shin is as well. She was never in the temple. So she was trained from a Boken Jedi as well. However, Balin says you were trained to be much more than that. Um, I my theory is still that she's a night sister. I could see that as well, or somehow connected I, there, to the some night type sisters. of connection. There's yes. just too much going. There's something special about mm-hmm, her that we haven't mm-hmm. gotten yet. Um, also, what I what I also like in their conversation is that Balin mentioned something powerful being in the shadow of the old Dathomiri ruins. He like there's something else. It's a Zepho. It's yes. it's a Zepho shit. You know what? So Balin. <laughs> I was looking back at the lore of the wolves, right? Mm-hmm. And Balin has this bent. I don't remember where I got this from now, but there's a seed in my mind of him. He says that he doesn't want to be the one that like instigates the war. Like Thrawn is there to do that. But I think Balin is on a, one of those like fanatical levels where like he says, um, he's sowing the seeds of chaos. And what we've seen of the Zepho is they have, had in their ruins these guardians the Mm -hmm. catacomb guardians which literally are giant lasers that like destroy oh their guardians are deadly like they're like they they uproot entire planets they're like these war machines so i think that's what he's hinting at i think he knows that there's something there and anyway hachi fears that that's the reason that the dathomir fled the planet was that the dathomir Mm. started to to dabble in the catacombs and this thing came alive and that that is a, that's a whole theory on my end but yeah i I'm, think i'm so there's curious. just a lot of hinting there where balin says like i know there's something really powerful here and shin's like kind of hesitant and is like maybe there's a good reason why you know they left this planet um but not really sure about that quite yet um meanwhile uh, the Nightsis, we get the Ezra and Sabine moment. The Nightsisters herald the coming of Ahsoka. They note that she is going to be coming. Well, they note that a Jedi is coming, and that's yes. when Thrawn is like... Thrawn's is like, it's Ahsoka. Red Mothers, you wish to speak with me. The thread of fate has spoken to us. Another comes... A Jedi. They ride the travelers. But that is unwelcome news. Could it be the recently deceased Sokatana? Impossible. I thought it was beyond you to underestimate a Jedi. After all, death and resurrection are common deceptions played out by both Night Sister and Jedi. Baylor assured me of her death. And yet, he was once a Jedi. So, we must regard him as flawed. Now, we shall consider Sokotano alive until we know otherwise. And we shall prepare accordingly. I want to know her background, history, homeworld, her master, everything. Yes, Grand Admiral. If a star whale approaches Peridia, Destroyed with prejudice. Great mothers, I shall once again require the aid of your dark magic. The thread of destiny demands it, Grand Admiral. 
because he's very smart. And he's like, He's like, well, then she's alive. Exactly. He understands how it works. Um, This is Ahsoka we're talking about. Yes. She's fucking alive. He knows. Thrawn says that we should not assume that she is dead and that Skull did not, in fact, kill her. And then this is the very last little nugget of the episode where Thrawn says, like, I want to know everything about her, her history, her homeworld, her master. Um, And Thrawn asks, Asked to know the identity. So this is a little note that I got from Wikipedia from like continuity where they try to like patch up things. And it says, and I'll talk about it afterwards, but it says Thrawn asked to know the identity of Ahsoka Tano's master, implying he is unaware of who trained her. However, in the novel Thrawn Alliances, Thrawn meets Anakin Skywalker and is told about Tano's Marg Sable maneuver by Padme Amidala. Mm. who refers to Tano by name and states she was Skywalker's Padawan. So essentially what happens to kind of recap, there's this like past scene where, uh, and actually it's a past scene in, in alliances, but actually in the Thrawn ascendancy books, he goes to this planet. And one, one of the things that the Chiss admire Thrawn about is the fact that he finds this um, energy shield that, Basically, he gets from Anakin, or he gets from this... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes to Blackspire Outpost, which is where Tommy and I will be going in December. That is where um, Galaxy's Edge is stationed. Uh, and it's actually a big part of the books, which is what I'm really excited about. It's a real lore part of Star Wars. Um, so they go to Blackspire Outpost. Pad- Padme has essentially been um, MIA, and Anakin has gone to find her. And then that is where Thrawn touches down meets Anakin and decides to align with him because he's like, he sees in his mind the ability to get a weapon or get something for his empire that is useful to him. But on the same vein, ends up helping Anakin save Padme and Padme and Thrawn like get to hang out. And it's a, it's just really, really cool. And it is very obvious. I think from, uh, from alliances that Thrawn knows that Vader is Anakin, but knows not to say anything about it. Mm, Because he mentions things about Padme and Anakin. He says like, Anakin was a great warrior. Um, I'm so sad that he's dead, blah, blah, blah. Like he mourns the passing of Anakin because he actually really liked him as a person. Um, But never says it in front of Vader because Vader is, you don't, you don't fuck with Vader. And Vader's like, you need to make sure you're following the Emperor. And, you know, Vader questions Thrawn's practices and whether or not he's actually doing things for the Empire or if he's doing things for the Chiss Ascendancy the whole time, which is really, really cool. Hmm. So they kind of, and all the other soldiers, like, on the ship with him are like, who the fuck do we talk? We don't know what to do because we're just sitting there watching these two really powerful guys kind of fight back and forth. Um, But what's important here is to note that Thrawn definitely knows who Anakin is and he definitely knows who Ahsoka is even if he has not met her in person and so that mention was that Padme mentioned to Thrawn that Ahsoka was Anakin's Padawan so he knows that but what I think I don't think that's like a continuity error here I don't think it was that he was saying like I want to know everything about her and her master not knowing who her master was 
I think it's more that he wants to know more about Anakin. He wants to know more about her relationship with Anakin because he knows more about Darth Vader at this point, I feel like, than Anakin because he had that one encounter with Anakin as far as we are aware in the lore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the through line of Anakin being Darth Vader seems fairly obvious. Um, Thrawn doesn't dare mention it to Vader. Like I said, he he would never mention that to Vader's face. Um so it makes sense that he would want to know more about Anakin's relationship with Ahsoka from before he encountered Anakin at the Black Spire outpost. Yeah. Because the more that's how Thrawn works. Well, we the have- more he knows about her relationships, the more he knows about her culture, the more he can fight against her. I because say, that's what he does. It's it's always tough to know what they're going to do from the books or what they're going to keep because we have seen them basically retcon like the entire Ahsoka novel, like in Tales of the Jedi. So. But as far as I, I mean, Dave Filoni probably. Well, no, Dave Filoni is the one who did Tales of the Jedi and, like, retconned, like, all the stuff that from is, the Ahsoka That is novel. true. However, I don't see this being a continuity error. I don't think this is, like, I don't know who Anakin is. I think it... I'm hoping that it's more of, like, I want to know about her. It'll just be... It'll be interesting to see where it kind of leads out. But I like, don't know what he's gonna... I can just see him, like, feverishly studying, um... Togruta. Yeah, he's just going through and, like, feverishly studying the Tergruda, which is funny because, like, I feel like in this this instance it wouldn't help him because she was taken by the Jedi at such a young age that, like, her culture isn't really, like, part of her personality yeah. at all. <laughs> so, it's just interesting because that, that's his tactic. Yeah. That's his tactic is to study an entire art. Like, he goes to museums and art museums in the books and he, like, studies portraiture and is like this is what this ship is going to do out in battle because of what this art looks like i mean he's like a master tactician but he has like such an un unconventional way of like going about like his tactics um i will say i think in terms of like the episode as a whole like I i one of the things i was i was worried about was like coming out of the last episode of like shadow warrior into like the next one i was like how is this gonna match up mm-hmm. like how like because the shadow warrior episode was so good and i think this one like still was really fucking this is good my favorite one so this far. one was yeah i just i nothing can i think really compare to the fact that we see these night brothers that's what i, I like calling them the night, night brothers well night you mean night warriors the night, like, are you talking about, like, the army, or? Yeah, but I, I like calling them Night brothers. Troopers. I know, but I'm calling them, oh, I personally, see, I see, I I'm see. calling them Night I Brothers. See. Um, because there aren't really Night Brothers. I mean, a, I guess you could call the Zabrak males Night Brothers, but that's not really what they're called, either. But, like, I don't know. They're just so fucking cool. They're very cool. And and it's also just, like, I'm just curious to learn more about, because we're, we're speculating a lot. Like, we're thinking, like, they're this undead army. It makes sense, but, like, they could be anything. But I'm just curious to, like, actually get confirmation of, like, what they are. The fact that their armor has been ruined to such an extent and that it's been, it has like, to regilded be. and, like, the fact that we saw the inquisitor like become ashes and like this weird zombie effect i think that was the whole yeah that was supposed to intimate to us that there is some dark magic happening and that is what it is right for so. sure but we will see more <sighs> in the next episode this i don't even lot, know babies We're, yeah so our next episode is going to be the finale and the ultimate episode um we'll have an update on like what we're where we're going after that in that episode um we got some exciting stuff i think coming down the pipeline oh my god yes it's gonna be be fun 
Well, anyway, that is it for today's episode. We are at Distant Echoes SW on Twitter and Instagram, where you can find us each individually. Tommy, where are you located in this galaxy? I am at Awkward Comma. That's right. And I am at Cassie Thulu. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And please, if you like what we're doing, give us a review, like us. We are a proud member of the Glitter Jaw Podcast Collective, as you know now. If you're looking for other queer media podcasts, please check out the full roster of Glitter Jaw shows at glitterjaw.com. Tune in next time when we hastily make our own zombie stormtrooper costumes before everyone else does for Halloween. It's going to be the number one by Spirit Halloween. Exactly. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.